again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of, of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. What a break for Frank Lampard and Ricardo Carvalho up with him. He's not going to need him, is he? Frank Lampard has done it! A double for him! And with 15 minutes to go, Chelsea are nearly there. Terry's header only as far as Iniesta. Now Ronaldinho. Oh, it's a terrific goal! Wonderful, wonderful goal! Everybody. Welcome to the Teams of Our Lives. My name is Marcus Speller. That's Andy Brassel over there. Andy, how are you? Yes, I'm well. I- I'm glad we're doing today's subject because sometimes I think there's too much romance in football. <laughs> Andy, it's a very special one this time round, I think you'll agree. <laughs> we are doing Jose Mourinho's Chelsea. And of course, it is the first spell that Jose Mourinho had in charge of Chelsea shall we call them Andy? Yeah, let's. That's, that's great. Let's uh-huh. do that. And if we ever need to refer to Paul McCartney throughout, we'll call him Macca. Just if we're taking <laughs> uh, the tabloid names, then Madonna will be named Madge. Um, Andy, when you think of Jose Mourinho's Chelsea, the first incarnation, if you will, what, do you, what leaps to mind? What leaps to mind? Hmm. Um, the... Finger against the lips in the League Cup final. That's the first thing that leaps to mind because that led to his uh, first trophy. Um, And uh, yeah, what what a moment that was. Um, But really, I I guess the first season, the whole of the first season Mm. is is, is something that sticks because um, Chelsea having edged towards something with um, the Matthew Harding financed era, mm-hmm. obviously took a huge step up from becoming Champions League regulars in that spell in the first season under Abramovich. But then when Ranieri goes, which was this really slow, painful finish to what was you know a really decent man's tenure in charge of Chelsea, straight away, it was a step up. Yeah. It was a bit like, do you remember when there were... All the indignation about um, Nigel Adkins getting the push from Southampton. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. uh, you know, Pochettino yeah, coming yeah, yeah. in. And yet, it was all quickly forgotten. I, th- mm. I think you can compare the two situations. I think you're absolutely right there. I actually sort of forgotten about that. But Ranieri himself was joking in press conferences towards the end of the season when they said, would you think you'll be here next season or, or would you like to stay here the next season? Something like that. And he laughed and went, oh, come on, mate. You know, we all know that's not going to happen. Or, you know, he, he joked about it because I don't think he wanted to leave necessarily. He knew he was going to get pushed out. It was, a, mm. it was a huge open secret, of course. And Ranieri had done okay as Chelsea manager. And one, one can forget that, that Chelsea were a very unfashionable club for years. I mean, the, the only time they'd won the league, the, the, the top flight, I should say, uh, before uh, Marina came along was in 19... 19- 54-55. You know, that's how long ago you're going back. I mean, they, they won the FA Cup in, in 1970. They'd won the uh, Cup Winners' Cup in um, 71. So it'd been a while since they'd won 
a, a trophy of, you know, a big trophy like that. Uh, and the, the fans were seen as, as a bit rough. It was seen as, uh, I mean, some people may say that now, but, um, you know, the, the, the club itself wasn't particularly fashionable. They weren't known for playing particularly great football necessarily. Stamford Bridge was seen as a bit of a dump. And then obviously, and yeah, and then through the sort of nineties, that started to change. Obviously, and as you say, Harding and, and Abramovich and all, you know, Bates. You always forget Ken Bates, Andy. Um, uh, <laughs> all that, yeah, yeah, but that that particularly annoys him. So I think we should continue with that. <laughs> Did I tell you? I don't. Uh, have I mentioned this on the ramble? But I don't know whether I could or not. I might be maybe say it to the patron people that uh, a friend of mine said that he was working at a particular place doing, you know, well, not, that's not really important. And he said Ken Bates was there. And Ken Bates was sort of walking around not being the most polite person to various people. And there was this <laughs> woman who was following him. And if anybody was like, "What? Well, sorry, what's going on?" or questioned it, this woman would just say, "Say that's Ken Bates, you know, that's Ken Bates." Uh, and it was this very sort of odd sort of double act they had going on. Um, <laughs> you see, I'm I'm a bit concerned already yeah. that Ken Bates is getting a bit too much into this. Yeah, um, I mean, but... he's not done very well so far out of the mentions. No, no, no I, su- I suppose we're, we're we're making it up for it. I'm expecting a, a check from um, Monte Carlo True. to uh, end up on the ramble doormat in the next couple of days. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. But, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember bunking off school to go to a reserve game mm. at Stamford Bridge you know to, uh, yeah. with with my friend, and um, we were sitting in seats in the one stand. Only the west stand was open at, at Stamford Bridge, and um, two of Ken Bates's henchman i can only use the word henchman uh came and tapped me and my mate who were both like 14 i suppose on the shoulder and said uh mr bates says are you with anyone because it it turned out we were accidentally sitting in director's seats and so um my friend looked around and saw gordon jury sitting in the um (laughs) in the stand behind us and he said uh yeah we're with gordo all right yeah, and uh, the guy took one look at us and he said, "Look, you've had your fun, lads. Fuck off." <laughs> and uh, so that, that was that was my small interaction with uh, Ken Bates as as a teenager. But of course, he will tell you that he saved Chelsea hmm. by selling the club to Abramovich. So yeah, maybe yeah. it was all him. <laughs> Once again, thanks, Ken. Um, great, you know how little we knew you. But uh, yes, so Chelsea under. Uh, Claudio Ranieri, they'd 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 started to sort of win a few trophies like the Cup Winners' Cup and FA Cup and, and things like that. And you could see they were building, but it was the league title they were after. And Abramovich came, and he thought he wanted his own man in charge because he, when he took over, Ranieri was the manager. I think I'm right in saying Andy. And he thought, yes. um, I want my my new man in, and who better than the man who's just guided Porto to the Champions League? Uh, you know, beating was it Monaco in the final? And you wrote a book around all that, Andy, but maybe that that's a different podcast. Don't want to get us too sidetracked as well, but I just suddenly I, I, remember. I did. What's, what's the interesting thing, I think, is that if Chelsea don't let the two-goal lead slip in the second leg of the semi-final yes. against Monaco, it could have been Porto against... It could have easily have been Porto-Chelsea could have in been. the 2004 Champions League final. Of course, they'd already beaten... Um, Arsenal in that famous quarter final where mm-hmm. Wayne Bridge scored the winner at the end of the second leg at, at Highbury 
after Jose Antonio Reyes had such a the late Jose Antonio Reyes had such a good first half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting how that would have yeah. turned out, wasn't it? Well, should have, would have, could have, Andy. But, mm. but the, the season finishes and Abramovich wants Mourinho in there. And and he's after the league title. And Mourinho comes in, and again, like for those who who don't remember or or weren't around or weren't watching football then, it was such an exciting appointment. He was this such a mercurial, interesting, and dare I suggest sexy man, Andy. And you when may. he came in, uh, you know, when he said, "We have top players," and I'm sorry if I'm arrogant, we have a top manager. Please don't call me arrogant, but I'm European champion and I think I'm a special one. And of course, he was then dubbed the special one. But he came, he did look like, we've said this before on, on the Ramble, that he, he looked like that kind of character in a James Bond film where he kind of helps James Bond out, but he's also in cahoots with the bad guy. And you think, <laughs> I don't know, do we trust this guy? I really want to. I really want him to be on it. You know, but he was... He was so cool, calm, and collected. Quite different, really. Kind of different figure to the Jose Marina we sort of we know and if we like make fun of now and have done for for a good few years. But it, it was he was this sort of force of nature, really. He was. Um, I think he found his perfect environment in England in terms of the way that he likes to interact with other coaches and with the media and with the fans and. Um, the English took him to their hearts as well. I mean, I've I've mentioned before like the real divide in the room. We came back for the first time after leaving with Inter when they were on their way to the 2010 um, Champions League title. That's right. Yeah. Um, when they they played Chelsea in the last 16, and the delight in the room of the journalists seeing him again was something else because they missed him. They missed his sound bites, his charisma. And I know we've got a, a little used to him now and he's, he's changed. His attitude has changed. Dare I say his ability to get the very best out of the very best teams has, has changed. But at this point, this was prime Mourinho. Now, whether Chelsea signed him because they'd done meticulous research on him or because he was flavor of the month, I think we'll probably never know the entire truth of that, but they did get the right man by hook or by crook. And mm. he, he made a huge impact straight away. Mm. And people will always say about Mourinho at Chelsea, it was about money. But what I think is so interesting is in this first season, none of his signings are incontrovertible smash hits because of course, the two best signings for Chelsea in 2004-2005 are Petr Cech and Arjen Robben, and two players who Kesman. were signed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cech and Robben both mm. signed before Mourinho arrived. Mm -hmm. So we knew they were coming before we knew Mourinho was coming. So I think it's, I, I, some people would possibly see that as a criticism of him. Mm -hmm. I, it's not meant as that at all. I, I think... It shows his ability of a coach, his ability to get even more out of existing quality players. And of course, he made the squad even better as he, he went along and he made some of those signings better as he, he went along. Yeah, I mean, when he came in and Chelsea spent a lot of money, I understand Czech and Robin, as you say, were already on their way. Paolo Ferreira was bought for big money, just won the Champions League at Porto. Ricardo Carvalho, again, big mm. money, just won it at Porto. Thiago came in from Benfica. 
Drogba came in from Marseille, and we'd seen Drogba uh, do some great things against Newcastle in the uh, what did in the UEFA Cup then, I suppose. Kesman didn't do too well, bless him. Um, but th- but there were big signings, there were big names, and and Mourinho was in charge, and it was very exciting around Chelsea. This was we we've talked about on the show before about the start of the Premier League and when certain players turned up, even at Chelsea on a recent ramble on, we talked about Ruud Hullet going there. But this was a step up, as you say. Chelsea at the time were accused of what the likes of Manchester City and of course PSG in light of Messi, you know, buying the league and there was a there was a mm. there was a lot of sort of sour grapes, I think, from especially Man United fans and so on. Now they'd obviously spent a lot of money. But little did we know that this sort of spending and this kind of thing would become the norm. And I'm not saying Oh, leave off Chelsea. You know they were. I'm not, this is not a comment. It's more of an observation of of what happened at the time. Make what you will of that. But Mourinho and and Chelsea, they they hit the ground running. And as you say, you know they won the the League Cup, got the, the first trophy. But that season, I mean, they they won the Premier League with ninety five points, which at the time was a record. They conceded fifteen goals that season. <laughs> It's absolutely incredible. It is incredible, Marcus. And I went to the first game of that season at Stamford Bridge, so uh, Mourinho's league debut. 1-0 um, against Man United? Against Manchester United, where Ida Good Johnson yeah. scored a, a kind of scrappy Bundled winner after, yeah, after, after uh, latching onto a long ball. And there, in a league where we're used to, I think, seeing a lot of back and forth, yep. especially in the, the biggest rivalry of the Premier League up until that point was Arsenal versus Manchester United mm-hmm. and Chelsea had sort of partially gatecrashed that. And what was remarkable is that those those games were, as you said before, mercurial. They were very back and forth, mm-hmm. unpredictable. I think you could say even now, like the Premier League has had no rivalry quite like it. It was mm. It was so exhilarating. And Chelsea step in there and say, you know what, we're going to grind this out. And they said in that very first game, with that win over Manchester United, who are of course one of the absolute title favourites, um, you're going to have to be really tough to, to break us down. Now, it's not the same push and pull as Arsenal versus Manchester United. Maybe not quite so dramatic, but... Like we're going to be impossibly hard to beat. Now, of course, there's this middle part of the season, which I think really starts in autumn, the bit where Robin comes into the team. Yeah. That is absolutely pivotal. That is the bit where they pull away and they've just got that little bit extra. But I think in terms of setting themselves out and setting out the way they're going to play and the way they're going to make it so difficult for people to beat them, mm-hmm. even the very best, that Manchester United game is perfect tone setter at the start of the season. Yeah, they played a 4-3-3 if I remember with Robin and Duff either side of, would it have been Drogba? Good um, Johnson quite often Johnson because well. I mean it's, it's, it's incredible, you, you, you mentioned uh, Thiago before and um, Thiago, his season there was really underrated actually. Yeah, he's a he funny was... player because he, he, he did well that year and then he was off to Leon. Yeah, I mean what the, the thing is the, the way he was seen at the time, 
he was really underappreciated. It was sort sort of seen of mm-hmm. Portuguese jobs for the boys. Yeah. Um. And especially that there was after they'd already won the league and they won the return match at Old Trafford and Thiago scored that long range shot from miles out and there was the look yeah, on Mourinho's face right. of what on earth happened there. That's right. Yeah. It was it was seen as almost a a, a criticism of Thiago. I think people had no grasp of how important he was. And not only did he play fifty one games in all competitions. Mm. So he was there consistently, not the most flashy player, but he actually started more league games than Drogba, who had that kind of difficulty adapting. And we don't really see the best of Drogba until like his third season in English football, really. It's funny, yeah, Thiago, because obviously he was a big part of Simeone's Atletico, reaching, uh, well, maybe not so much latterly, but certainly winning the league and and getting Atletico going. So he's obviously Mm. a very good player, but yeah, one season. Brilliant at Leon. Yeah, one Brilliant. season uh, at Chelsea and then he was off. But I suppose, you know, these things happen in football, don't they? Um, but yes, Mourinho um, also as well, they suddenly looked to force again. Well, I say again, obviously the previous season they got to the, what was it, semi-final of the Champions League. And Mourinho not winning the Champions League at Chelsea was almost a surprise, really. Actually, the mm. way that he presided over what was... And and is the most successful period in in Chelsea's history. Now I know they've won the Champions League twice, and we'll see in subsequent seasons. Well, if Tuchel can can win the league and and see what he can do there, but it's still early days. And um, as as well as Roberto Di Matteo, the curious uh, managerial career of Roberto Di Matteo. I mean, he's up there almost challenging Frank Rijkaard for curious, uh, uh, you know. Uh, appointments and so on. In, 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 you will in, not let that lie with Rijkaard, will you? I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. The fact is that, that Di Matteo won the Champions League and uh, FA Cup. Yeah, FA Cup at Chelsea. And it's just done nothing. Since. Like if Roberto Di Matteo rocks up at your club and, and he's a manager, you just, you don't think, oh, here we go. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. But anyway, it was the, it, clearly the most successful period over in Chelsea's History. There was there was a lot of trophies. Yes, all domestic, but still, um, it was impressive. Um, but the, the playing style of Mourinho, I don't remember it being that stodgy and that bad during this time. Now, am I looking at this with rose tinted specs, Andy, or did his playing style become a little bit more stodgy as time went on? I think the interesting thing is when you look at the beginning part of, particularly the first season of of, of Mourinho it's about not getting beaten mm. and that they very rarely win games more than uh one or by more than one or, or maximum two goals so you've got to bear in mind that the mindset that Chelsea are in Chelsea just want to win the league any way they can at this point and the fact that they're so difficult to break down that they do have this um impenetrable nature I wouldn't quite go as far as to say imperious, but that it feels as if they're never going to lose at any point. That definitely that, was the case. That, yeah. that, Especially draws, at home. that draws fire from the fact that they're not always the most adventurous. And there is the sense of that sort of management. Like you get yourself one, two goals in front and, and just close the game out. And mm-hmm. that's a criticism of Mourinho. But at this point, it never would have been a criticism of Mourinho because Chelsea have never been at that point before. Mm-hmm. Now, that middle part of the season that I was talking about, where you get Duff and Robin mm-hmm. in tandem, 
that's something else because you know you think of he makes his debut robin at the, the end of october he comes on a, a sub against west brom yeah and the following week he has his first start scores this absolutely brilliant sort of fifa cheat code goal mm. to, to to beat everton in watch which is a really tough match and a, a match where everton have their chances as well but he just latches onto a pass i can't remember who passed it but he blazes past the defender cuts inside sort of lifts it over the goalkeeper and you look at that time then they start to open up a little bit because it's all ones and twos in the first 10 matches of the season then after they have that defeat at Manchester City which is a shock at the time Mm. because this is not a great Manchester City side by any any stretch of the imagination I think um, it it was a Nicola and Elka penalty that won the game and it it still seems weird that that wasn't an unbeaten season because Chelsea looked so unbeaten, unbeatable for all of it, and um, it's the it's the bit following it's the bit following that where they score four against Blackburn, they score um, four against West Brom, four against Fulham, yeah, um, they, they smash Charlton, yeah. Newcastle. See, I remember that. I, I when I think back to this Marina side, I think the sort of big wins and so on. By the way, before we go any further. That Manchester City win, the only manager to get the better of Jose Mourinho that season would have been Kevin Keegan. (laughs) Well, in the Premier League, at least. Have a bit of respect. But yes, I mean, that's... See, that's why I think, when I think of this Chelsea side, particularly the first season under Mourinho, in the league, 72 goals they scored. Only Mm. Arsenal beat that. Quite handsomely, of course, with 87 but that was particularly free-scoring Arsenal side. I mean, that that is quite something. Manchester United scored fifty-eight that season. Liverpool scored fifty-two. Next best was was actually Middlesbrough and then Fulham with with fifty-three and then and then fifty-two as well, which is which is quite incredible. But yes, only Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal scored way above everybody else. But Chelsea scored a lot of goals as well. So and they spread the goals around as well because, like did. we said, we're, we're not in prime Drogba territory. No, at this point because well, he has struggles adapting. Um, well, their top scorer in the league was Frank Lampard with thirteen. So that shows you. Bearing in mind they scored seventy-two in the league, and Lampard was top scorer in the league with thirteen. It shows you how much they shared the goals around. Yeah, Ida Johnson got a, probably a dozen, didn't he? And then Drogba gets, I think, ten in eighteen starts that season, mm. which is. Pretty underwhelming, given that they paid a fee that Marseille thought they would never pay to bring him. I mean, it was twenty four million pounds at, at, at the time in in terms of initial fee. And um, j- just for our younger listeners, that was an absolute bloody fortune in yeah. in two thousand and four, especially for a player who pl- played what two and a half seasons of of, of top flight football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed, Andy. Indeed. I mean, when they won the league, though, that in that first season, it sort of it felt right. Really, it felt like yeah. I remember Mourinho. I think was it away to Bolton when they won the league. Lampard scored two goals. It was yeah uh, that day, and he's kind of sat back in his chair, and I think he was on the phone probably to his wife, and he's sort of smiling. And and actually, I think I think a lot of neutrals maybe thought yeah, fair play because they'd seen such dominance with Manchester United, and then and to a slightly lesser extent Arsenal. And yes, they'd spent a lot of money, but Mourinho, people liked him. People were engaged with him. And and as I say, I don't think the playing style was that bad at all. And they deserved it. They were the best team in the league, easily. And really, Mourinho Absolutely. coming to Chelsea kind of put an end to 
Wenger and Arsenal really being the force that they had been. I mean, there's obviously other factors as well. And I know he put uh, Alex Ferguson's nose out of joint, but Manchester United would be back. You know, they, they were always going to be. But then, of course, the second season comes. Oh, well, I should say, obviously, Chelsea uh, lose uh, incredibly to um, uh, Liverpool in uh, the semi-final of the Champions League, which that was a surprise because the way Chelsea had been, the way they'd knocked out Bayern, uh, and uh, who else did they beat? Barcelona, I think it was. Incredible. That was an absolutely classic last 16 well, game. What that a was, match that, that was at Stamford that was, Bridge. That's that the Ronaldinho toe poke we saw. John Terry, the, the, allegations of a foul on the goalkeeper for the for the Allegations? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Suggestions? I, 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 I realise this is an audio medium, but there is something called YouTube and our listeners do have eyes as well. They do, Andy, they do. But, yes. but they, when they lost to Liverpool in the semi-final, of course, Liverpool will go on and just, you know, that, that final against Milan's obviously will, will be watched, you know, forever and a day, and rightly so. But when mm. they beat Chelsea and Mourinho, that seemed quite a shock. That was really quite surprising because, again, the whole weight of it and the whole, it just seemed inevitable that Chelsea were going to win the Champions League. And and I remember that watching that as a neutral, actually wanting Chelsea to win, and then I look back and I think, oh, actually, it was the way Liverpool kind of went on to it. Yeah, you know, not necessarily glad, but you know, I'm sort of glad in terms of, you know, in in, in a footballing sense that happened because mm. they gave us one of the, the all time finals. But it was it was um, it was it, that would become a feature, of course, them them not quite doing it in the Champions League because we 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 sort of rushed through to the next season, and uh, and again they kind of they they win the league. And they're looking imperious, uh, and and their home form is just incredible. You know, again, they looked absolutely bulletproof at home, mm. uh, in particular. But of course, uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the 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 Champions League, you know, Barcelona was it get their revenge on Chelsea that season, and Chelsea go out in the in in the in the last uh, what was it round of sixteen. But you know, Chelsea that year they still, as I say, they still won the league and they won the Community Shield, which uh, you know it's always worth winning. Uh, and uh, I mean, they lost five games that season, but they still amassed 91 points and again scored 72 goals. Um, a similar tally, uh, or was it the was it the same as before? I can't remember, I just said it, it you know, 70 odd goals again. Yeah. And only Manchester United, um, were sort of fairly close to them with that, with, with 72 as well. Arsenal got 68. So, once again, that 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 style of football to me, there was, there was a lot of goals being scored, it was still fairly exciting, I think. The excitement was mainly Mourinho and his mm. aura. I think that was a huge part of it. This Chelsea team were incredibly efficient. Now, they they could have been more dominant. They could have scored more goals. And uh, imagine if you had fully firing Drogba in that 2004-2005 team, for example. Yeah. I mean, it would have been absolute carnage. Mm-hmm. And... But but I think that was that was the thing for Chelsea. Mourinho was exactly what they were looking for at that time. He was someone who could who could make it happen, and that sense of being in control all of the time, mm. I think, was very satisfying for them. Indeed, and his in his third season, which would be his his last full season at Stamford Bridge, they didn't win the league. They finished second, um, but they did win. Uh, the FA Cup, of course, and uh, and they did win the League Cup, so it was still a successful season. Again, losing to Is that a uh, double, 
that that is a, that's a cup double. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, they 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 did lose in the semi final again uh, to Liverpool, and it just. He just couldn't deliver them the Champions League, Mourinho, of course. But this was the season, I believe, when they signed uh, 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 Andrei Shevchenko. And and this was when you realised that, that, that Mourinho, he wouldn't be told what to do and who to sign and so on, which is, which is understandable. But the relationship between him and Abramovich started to come undone a little bit this became a bit obvious and of course he would leave very early on into the 2007-2008 season um but I mean what what do you remember of 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 that third and and final full season I know he was there for the following season but it was quite short-lived yeah I mean what I remember most is um them not beating Rosenborg at um Stanford Bridge and I was in a taxi (laughs) in Lisbon when I found out that Mourinho had been fired Mm-hmm. And even though it was clear that something wasn't quite right, it felt like an enormous shock because yeah. by then he it felt like to to a large degree he had become Chelsea in so many ways. Yeah, he was so iconic and so so entwined mm. with the club. It seemed as if he would be there for for many many years. Um, and of course that wasn't to be. We know he would return there. Uh, and and then of course that year that he was sacked that season. Uncle Avram would come in and lead Chelsea to the Champions League final. They didn't win it, of course, but they got there. And uh, I wonder what Mourinho would have been thinking watching on um, uh, when when he saw Chelsea reach the final. Who knows? I mean, we didn't mention, of course, that story of him being in the laundry basket wheeled into uh, to Chelsea. That's that for that tie against Bayern. I mean, there's so many stories with Mourinho at Chelsea around this time. It was it was absolutely incredible. But again, one can't forget that mercurial, that sort of uh, uh, magnetic, uh, engaging, charismatic personality that he had and how his teams just really bossed so many league titles and, and, and cup wins in that spell at Chelsea. It was, it was quite incredible. So there we are, Andy. Jose Mourinho. I mean, we could have spent at least two hours on this one, uh, but we have to finish it somewhere. But it's been a pleasure talking to you about this one, Big Brass. As always. As always. Uh, we have the memories. Thanks very much for listening to the teams of our lives. Andy and I will be back next week with another great team from the history of football. See you then. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.